Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. This morning I'm going to be reading uh, quite a tremendous amount of scripture, more than I normally would. And in doing so, we'll just go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, if you would with me this morning, I would like for us to, to just take a little journey. And I'm going to need you to climb on board in the beginning and stay with me till the end, if, if you will. I'll need your help. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the tremendous honor to be in your presence and to be in this house. You are such a good God, your merciful God, and your grace endureth forever. Thankful to be a part of the kingdom. And I ask that for the next few minutes, God, that you open our hearts and our minds and that you allow your word, God, to pierce our soul. I ask you to anoint me today, God. Help me to convey what you've laid upon my heart. I give you honor, I give you glory, and I give you praise. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him how good it is to see him in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so wonderful to, to feel the power and the presence of God uh, and the way he so dramatically moves in our services. Uh, last Sunday on our ride home, Granny and I was discussing the service and how powerful it was, and she made mention of how many times she has seen the power of God move, and not that God is relegated, not that God can't operate when he desires and chooses to, but we know from Scripture that sometimes he troubles the waters. And Granny began to reflect upon the past and history about how when the waters would be troubled, that it was important to get in. In these last days, we, we've got to take advantage of every opportunity that when God moves, we need to get plugged in. If you need healing in your life, you can obtain that healing if you'll step into the Spirit of God. If you, if you need salvation, if you need restoration, whatever it may be, when God moves, we have a responsibility to respond. And I'm thankful to be a part of a, a church and a body of Christ that I can respond freely to the Spirit of God. Amen. I told you this morning that I wanted to take us on a journey. Uh, on this particular journey in reality or, 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 or in real life, I would have no experience uh, because I want to go on a boat ride this morning, and I'm not very good in boats. That's not one of my, not one of my fortes. Brother Boyd mentioned about our our where my job and our busy season and uh 
when we come to this time of year, we kind of get to relax. There's still plenty to do, but if we want to go to an auction or there's something we want to see or we want to go to the Ag Expo, we have the ability to take the day off and do that. And one of my favorite times of, of this particular year is I, I've, I've watched Erica grow up from a, from a baby, and she loves to fish. She's dressed up pretty and beautiful young lady, but she is, a, she is an outdoorsman. Uh, she's the best tractor driver on the farm. She's the best hunter. She's the best fisherman. But I enjoy watching see her this time of year. She'll back under the barn and hook to the boat and pull it out. She begins to wash and clean it up. And she gets the coolers ready and everything's ready. And I, I'm excited for them. There's a great anticipation. And, and keep in mind, I always have an open invitation to go and I want to go. But as the time draws nearer, and forgive me if I've shared this story with you before, but as time draws nearer, I begin to reflect upon my past. And nobody's ever been seasick the way I've been seasick. <laughs> I, I, I get extremely, extremely seasick. My last adventure on the water, I went with four other gentlemen, and we had got out into the ocean and the waves began to rock, and I was trying to bait the hook, and it all went south from there. And it's a lot of a lot of work to go fishing. You got to gas the boat, and you, you know it's a pretty good drive down to the coast and the bait, and you need drinks and snacks and ice. And so we're out there, and I didn't want to ruin the trip for the other four men. And the tide had went out, and they was going to carry me back in, but you got to follow the channels and the markers and. I just didn't want to waste their opportunity. And as the tide went out, I could see just a little small hill emerge, just a little piece of sand, uh, not much bigger than this front area here. I said, if you'll just get me to that hill and, and you come get me before the tide comes back in. And, and they got me to the hill, and I, and I got out with two Pepsis and a pack of crackers and a beach towel. And that's where I stayed. And people would come by, you know, a lot of boats. Hey, is everything? Yeah, yeah, they good. They'll be back in a minute. They'll be back in a minute. <laughs> but ha having said all that, I, I want to take us this morning, if you'll help me, I, I want to take us on a spiritual boat ride. Um, you know, this, this life is, there's been many songs, many sermons referred to as sailing on the seas of life or facing storms of life and I'm very confident of one thing. In this house, there's some gentlemen and some ladies that have faced storms. We've faced catastrophes and atrocities in our life. We've been plunged into the eye of the storm. And, and if that hasn't happened to you this morning, I still would like for you to pay attention this morning because it's coming. I don't want to leave you here discouraged or, or feeling down or blue, but if you haven't faced something in life that's took you by surprise and almost crippled you, you better prepare yourself because it's coming. It may come in the form of a family disaster. may come in the form of death, disease, or divorce. Or you may find yourself in a financial storm, maybe losing your job or, or find yourself in deeper debt than you're more comfortable with. And, or maybe the, maybe the tempest or the storm comes in the form of depression whose, whose gale has ripped down your cell and has left us feeling, feeling overwhelmed and unpowered. Sometimes we don't know what it'll be or when it'll happen, but I, I'm sure of one thing today. Storms will come and storms will go. Dr. James Dobson many years ago conducted a psychological study and come to the conclusion 
that, that on average out of 100 people he took this survey, that we will find ourselves with about 14 to 18 days of, of peace in this life. And after that, after that particular time, a situation will arise in our life. A storm will come, and we'll have to deal with that. And this process will start all over. Once we've accomplished or overridden that storm, we'll have another 14 to 18 days of peace and tranquility. And his conclusion was this, that not, not every adversity was life-threatening or catastrophic, but merely that as human beings, as God's creation, our lives are constantly moving from one storm to the next. And it's in the time between them storms that we have to build strength. And then it's in the times of those storms that we have to rely on God. I'm going to ask you this morning to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. And if you would this morning follow along the screen or either keep your Bibles remained open because we're going to take several verses and I'm just going to kind of, if I can use the word, we're just going to kind of sail through this chapter this morning and uh, see what Paul done in situations when he was faced. I want us to keep in mind this morning that as Paul was being, take to, being taken to Caesar, he was going to be on this journey. Historians say this journey should have been approximately about 50 to 55 miles. But we'll learn in the story because uh, the centurion Julius would not adhere to what the man of God had to say. That this, this charter, this boat was carried some 600 plus miles off course 14 days later. And it's a reminder that if we are not sensitive to the word of God, if we're not sensitive to the man of God and what he speaks in our life, there is the potential to get way off course and be caught in a storm with no help. Go with me to verse 1, if you will. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul a certain, and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of Adridamine, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristocharus, a Macedonian, and a Thessalonica being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. You know, God is always working in our lives during the storms, even if it's storms that perhaps we've caused upon ourselves. God has the unique ability to put the right people in the right place at the right time during a storm. It, it's not real clear. We just know that Julius was a centurion and, uh, we're not even sure exactly why he was there. We know it was to transport Paul, but I don't believe it was by chance. I believe that God placed Julius in the life of Paul because he showed kindness to Paul when kindness was exactly what he needed. You know, it makes a difference in the lives of people how you treat them. You know, you can greet people in the morning. Some, uh, You all know people that you greet in the morning and they need to go back and get back up over again and start over. They're just unpleasant to be around and if we're not careful that can kind of rub off and bring your day into some shadows but ain't it a, ain't it a pleasure and a joy when you can meet someone in the morning and they're full of life and full of spirit and somehow that brings us encouragement and and that's the way God works here he puts Julius in the life of Paul and he, and the scripture says that he lets him go meet some friends in Sidon now I, I, I've done some studying and some looking and I can't find in the New Testament a church in Sidon. 
I, I can't find it, Brother Rayleigh. But Scripture says that Paul went to some friends there. Paul being a man of God and a Christian, I'm sure that these had to be Christian people. And I'm sure they was placed there by God. See, I don't believe in coincidence. I, I believe that uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God puts people in our lives to encourage us. He knows when the storm's coming. And he knows when we're going to have to face some things. And if we will be sensitive to the Spirit of God, he knows what we need in our life. And I don't believe that... Um, I don't believe that they was there by chance. And at least one of the reasons we see here was to minister to Paul at a time when he desperately needed friends. It's amazing how God strengthens us. It's people who love us even though they know our faults. People who love us even though they know our shortcomings. And people that are, I like people that are willing to go the extra mile with me. Sometimes I'm hard-headed and I'm difficult to get along with. And I, I appreciate the people in my life that will stick by me and hang on with me and, and, and go the extra mile. So it's important, I, I'll, I'll restate this, that we play, pay attention when the seas get stormy who God places in our life. When we're going through something hard, look around. God's going to plant somebody that's going to encourage you and help you. And he does this because he loves us. He loves us unconditionally, and he knows we can't make it on our own. Like it or not, like it or not, we need each other. I've been, I've repented. I've been baptized in his precious name. And I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But that alone is not going to be enough to get me to heaven. I need the church. I, I need you. I, I'm counting on some people in this church to help me make heaven my home because I'm going to grow weary and I'm going to grow weak and I'm going to need somebody to come along beside me and pick me up. And I hope in turn that I can be an encouragement to somebody because storms are never meant by God to be weathered alone. And if we try, we're making a foolish mistake. And that's why God uses people. Go with me to verse 7, if you will. When we had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed unto Crete over against Salmoni. And hardly passing, it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Now here's a preacher declaring, we need to hold up, we need to wait a minute. Uh, something's fixing to happen here and it's going to be more than we can handle. Verse 11 said, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. A lot of times in our life, there's a storm on the horizon or we're headed into something that we don't even see. It, it catches us by surprise. It, it blinds us. But in this particular case, God has placed Paul in the lives of these men to sound the alarm, to warn them. Trouble was coming. Turn back. The writer of Proverbs says that the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. It's, it, it's so important that we listen to wise, godly advice. I'm so thankful, 
so thankful for a pastor that will stand behind this desk even when it hurts and speak truth into my life. I'm also dependent on him to help me make heaven. And I want to pay attention when he speaks into my life, whatever it may be, because sometimes the sky is blue and and the sun is orange and my head's in the clouds and I don't see everything that's coming. But pastor may have got a word from God. And he sees a storm on the horizon. So it, it's important whether, whether, whether we listen attentively or whether we blow it off. It's, it's good to listen to advice. And it's good to have wise counseling from, from, from pastor, from Brother Rayleigh, from Brother, from Brother Gibbs and the elders. I want to pay attention. And let me pause here and say this for a minute too. I also want to be mindful of my counselor's time. And I want to be, uh, let me be careful here. I want to be attentive of what he's saying and adhere to what he's saying. Um, by default, being a part of the prison ministry, as many of our men are, um, you're, you, you draw connections and you make relationships with, with men behind bars. Uh, it's, it's life. Some people you click with, some people you don't. But each of us that participates in this, there, there's an individual behind the, in, in prison that is drawn to us. And so we become, uh, if I can use the word, a mentor. Or perhaps we, you know, I, I correspond with some men through, through mail. And by doing this over the past few years, it's a privilege and an honor. But it also can be frustrating when you seek out God about a situation and you share in counsel with what God has spoken to you, and the individual completely does not respond to what God is. Was, does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking around myself, trying to be too careful here. But, but um, it's important. Uh, let me use an illustration, a simple illustration that maybe won't offend nobody. Callaway just come out with this club, Pastor. It, it, it's, it changes directions. It's got a dial. I can make it draw. I can make it slice. I can change the elevation. But it's $500. Now, next month, my car payment's due and my light bill's due, and I've only got this $500. What, what do you think I should do, Pastor? <laughs> He, he, he wouldn't have really said that. <laughs> but then I go home. Then I go home and I, I said, Jenny, you, you know what he told me? He knows how bad I want that club. He knows how bad I want it. Yet he told me to pay the car payment and the light bill. Next month rolls around. I can't even get to the golf course because I don't have a car because they've repoed it. And the lights are off. And now I come back to pastor. Oh, pastor, pastor, what did I do? Now, I, I, I'm not standing in his shoes, but I can only imagine from the little experience I've had how frustrating it is to be in tune and to listen with God. I know that's a silly illustration, but I think you know where I'm coming from. 
it's important, it's important with, with any of our elders, whatever advice, slow down a minute and listen to what they got to say. And let me say this to, to our younger generation. Sometimes you don't want to listen to what our elders or what our parents are trying to say. But let me tell you this. They don't have some great parental wisdom. They wasn't, they wasn't blessed with some great knowledge of why you should be not hanging out here and not hanging out with these people. They know this from experience. They know when it's the wrong place. You know, all through my life when I, when I turned and walked away from God, I, I, I can remember being in places I shouldn't be, being with people I shouldn't be, and I could hear the voice of my mother, Jerry, you shouldn't be here. And it's important. When I look back and think now, it's so important to listen to godly advice. Sure, they seem old-fashioned. Sure, they seem behind times and out of touch. My grandfather, we just celebrated his 90th birthday. He doesn't have a cell phone. He doesn't have a Facebook account. He doesn't tweet. He doesn't text. He doesn't Instagram. But today, if I need something solid and sound in my life, I can go to him. And it, it may come across sharp, and it may be short, but he's going to speak something into my life that if I will apply it, it's going to help me through the storms. And living this, living this apostolic life is no different. If we will apply what comes from this desk, what our shepherd is speaking to us, we, we'll make it. We'll make it through the storm. I want to go back to verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. If by any means they might attain to Phanais and there to winter, which is a heaven, a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the south, west, and north. Two mistakes that Julius made, the centurion made here. First, he he followed the advice of experts rather than the voice of God. Understand me clearly today, please. I, I, I respect education. I respect knowledge and get all you can get. But I, I want the voice of God in my life first. I, I, want, I want my shepherd to be speaking truth in my life. And here the centurion, he, he, he disregards what God is trying to say and he, he follows the majority rule, if you will. And that's so dangerous. If we was to refer back this morning, there were 12 men that went into the land of Canaan to spy it out. Ten of them come back and said, the giants are too big. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way. But Joshua and Caleb, men of God, said, no, we can take this. We can do this. Our, our God is bigger than this. He's, he can do anything. And if you look back over the history of the Israelites and look at all the disasters that took place, every catastrophe that they found themselves in over and over and over you would find the man of God the prophet that the Lord himself had sent alienated and alone because the people would not want to hear what he had to say they wanted to be led by majority rule and what does that tell us today about God's people we, we can't forget that as a body first of all he's the head and he's placed pastors over us and we're designed to lead and not follow 
a shepherd can't take a pole and see what pasture the sheep want to feed in today or what pond they want to go drink from. He's got to lead the sheep. The minute, the minute we start taking majority rule in a congregation or in a church is the minute we begin to decline and fail. God never, never intended for his people to be led by majority. He never has and he never will. Jump with me to verse 14. But not long after though there arose against a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the, to the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. In this ship ride that we're on this morning, if you'll allow me to say that, or if this, this journey that we're on, in order to be successful, in order for for us to be successful as a church, there's got to be a crew. There's got to be a team. This is a, this is a group effort. Uh, no, no one individual can do this on, on his own. It's long hours. It's long nights. It's hot days. It's, it, it's hard work. And sometimes there's good times in the church and on this journey, and sometimes there's bad times. But through it all, if we plan on surviving, we've got to stand by each other and we've got to stay together. The word helps uh, caught my attention in verse 17, Brother Gibson, so I, I, I began to look and see what that meant. And I found that what they would do in those times with, with wooden vessels is they would line men down each side of the vessel. And they would take large ropes and the, and the first two men at front would toss the rope over. And they would allow the current to carry the rope toward the back of the ship and pass the rope off to each man. And when it got to the back, they would tie the rope. This process would be repeated all the way down until you had ropes binding the ship all the way across. So in this crew, in this group of men, there was some experienced shipmen. There was men that knew how to weather a storm. They knew how to how to conquer something that was about to override them. Last Sunday, Pastor, you spoke of menders. And if I could add that today and say and use the word helpers, oh, how the church, the church needs helpers. Now, helpers is not a fun job. It comes with no fame or no glory. Your, your name's not going to be on the marquee. You're probably never going to get to, to stand behind this desk. But the church would fail without the helpers. The helpers are those that in the middle of the night they can't get no sleep. God is stirring them and they, they begin to wake and pray and they have no idea what they're praying for but God keeps tugging at their heart and at their soul and they, they know there's a reason. They know there's something that's troubling the waters or, or bringing havoc to the church. Maybe they arise the next day and fast and have no idea where they're fasting but the church, the church can't make it without helpers. What a privilege to be a helper. God uses storms to mold and shape great helpers. You look at a great helper in the church, and they've been through some things in their life. They've had to endure some things. And I don't believe this morning that God causes every storm. We cause some of our own. But I am confident of one thing. 
God can use every storm to build our character and our faith and shape us. Verse 18, if you will. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. The third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Another way that God will use a storm to benefit our life is it's going to have to cause us to clear the deck. We've got to get rid of some junk. You know, when, when, when life throws us upside down, that, that's, when, that's when I start to think about what's really important. What's, do I really need this in my life? And I, I need to get that out. That's interfering with me and God. And is this really something that I need to partake in? Is I really don't need this, and I've got to get some things, some useless things, some unimportant things, and I've got to let God use the storm. See, there's two ways you can handle a storm. And I'll be blunt. You can get mad and sulk, or you can try to learn something through it and press on and push through and build faith in God. But God uses storms to help us. And if we'll understand that as hard as it is, I believe we even have to thank God for the storms. Because I believe he places them there for purpose. I can remember a time in my life, it was on a November Wednesday night. I was sitting right there about where Aunt Jane was by my mother. Lost, alcoholic, on my way to hell. And at that particular time, uh, our family was facing something that had caught us by complete surprise. Never in my wildest imagination would I think this would be something that we had to deal with. And as I sat there by my mother, and Brother Boyd preached a message that night, how the mighty have fallen. And I began to realize, Sister Boyd, that I tried so hard and made a mess of my life. And it was then that I've, I can't fix this problem. I'm not able to do this on my own. And oh, but for the grace, 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 God saw fit in his mercy to allow me to come back into the fold and something we thought we would never make it through. He's made us stronger because of it. I'm, I'm thankful. I want to be thankful for the storms. You know, one of the saddest and most power-packed verses in the entire Bible we're going to find in verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope. Everybody say all hope. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. It's a sad, sad state to see individuals that has lost all hope. I hate to keep referring to our prison ministry, but every time we, we go, you meet an individual that's, that's lost all hope. There is no hope. And can I tell you this morning, I know it's cliche. It will be used from pulpits all across the nation this morning. But it's such a true statement. There is hope in Jesus Christ. 
If you've come into the house today with some problems, if you've come into the house today needing some restoration, I've come to tell you there's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. He uses storms to clear the deck. He uses storms to show us that that, that we're weak without Him. I'm nothing without Him. And it's unique how God always has perfect timing. It's not our timing, but it's it's his timing. He sent this angel. Why, why, didn't he, why didn't he send the angel the week before to Paul and tell Paul then that everything was going to be okay? Or before Paul stepped onto the ship, why, did, why didn't he tell him then? Because God wanted Paul then and he wants us now to realize that without him, we can't do nothing. When we've exhausted all of our ingenuity, all of our measures, all of our strength, Without him, we can do nothing. Verse 23, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Whose I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Storms may come and storms may go. Paul said, Fear not, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. God will save us. God will carry us through the storms of life. If it wasn't until my deepest, darkest night, it wasn't until all hope was gone, it wasn't until I had given up on being saved, that God finally said, Jerry, you can go through this. You can go down this road, but you've got to give it to me. And when we realize that, Paul told the men about the angel, and he told them that they were going to be saved, and then he made the definitive statement. Chapter 27 and verse 25. He said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Be of good cheer. There you have it. God speaks into our lives and all is well and no more storms and no more heartaches. (laughs) No, 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 no. Life is still here. You can be saved and full of the Holy Ghost and be right where you need to be with God. And life is still here. And we still have to deal with it. You and I come into this holy house twice a week and we're restored, we're refreshed, we're renewed. But then we have to go back out into the world. And see, that's why it's so important. I talked earlier about the troubled waters. It's so important to get everything we can in every service. See, Slewfoot, the devil, he has all day, two, four, seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year to pull us out of this ship. He gets to focus all his time, all his energy, all his efforts, all his demons on mine and your destruction. So if we don't take advantage of what God has for us, then we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We've got to stay plugged in to the Spirit of God. I've got to stay focused. See, Paul, he had just delivered this powerful Sunday morning message and told him that everything was going to be okay. But then Monday comes. Verse 27, but when the 14th night was come, As we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. 
and it sounded and found it 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. And this is where I've been trying to get to for the last few minutes this morning. We've got to abide in the ship. We've got to abide in the ship. As our musicians come, under the sound of my voice, there are some men and women who have faced adversity beyond imagination. Don't be fooled this morning by the sharp dress suits and the nice dresses and the pretty shoes because there's some scars in this house. There's some people who's been through some storms and it's been hard and you fought a good fight, a good battle, but you're finding yourself weary. You're finding yourself weary and it really doesn't matter anymore if you're part of this ship or part of this crew. You think that time has elapsed you by and it's, you really wouldn't be missed if you wasn't part of the team or if you wasn't part of the crew. Time and circumstance has almost convinced you that the ship's going to be all right without you. But I've stepped to this desk this morning with a word from the Lord, and I want to tell somebody that this ship needs you. And except you abide in the ship, you, you cannot be saved. If you look at verse 30, the shipmen were about to flee. The shipmen, the, the crew members, the ones that, that knew how to handle the storm. But Paul says to the centurion and the soldiers, if these shipmen don't abide in the ship, ye, Julius, ye, you and your soldiers, you won't be saved. We've got to have the shipmen. We've got to have the helpers. Earlier I talked about the the helpers and the enemy for so long has he's tried to convince people on the crew that they have no value, that they have no purpose. But can I tell you this morning that there is some people in the house and some people beyond these doors that need you. You are their lifeline. You will be the reason they make heaven. Today someone is staying afloat because of your prayers. See, we'd have to go way back to verse 2 when Paul entered the ship. You see, Paul made an assessment of the ship of the days to come, and he, he began to look at the ship, and he realized, and God through an angel had spoke to him, and he says, this ship, the ship's going to be lost. This physical, this, 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 this outer core, it's, it's going to pass away. And Paul knew this, and that's why the, the shipman Granny, come here a minute. That's why the shipmen were so important. Brother Junior, come here for a minute. See, he knew that there would be weak ones. He knew that there would be those that, that needed some help. And he, he, he knew that 
that while I was making this journey, oh, sometimes I might go down and I might stumble, but there's some helpers. There's, there's some shipmen. There's some people that's endured some storms that's going to help me through this. And I've got to understand, I've got to understand that if I don't stay in this ship, if I don't abide in this ship, if I don't stay where God has planted me, we've come too far. We've come too far. We've come too far to give up now. God is reaching. He said in the last days, in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit. I've got to believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, I've got to believe they, they're peering down with anxiety and anticipation. What, what a time to be in the kingdom of God. What better time to be in the kingdom of God. I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of what's taking place in the world. I'm, I'm not afraid of what's going on over there. Because for him to come back, for him to pour out his spirit, it's got to happen. And if, we, if we'll abide in the ship, if we'll abide in the ship, we're going to make it this morning. Stand to your feet with me. Let's stand. I, I hope, I hope we're ready. I hope we're ready when the storm comes. And if we'll abide in this ship, we will be ready. But when it comes, not at not if, but when it comes, every one of us will have to go through it. I hope we trim the sails. I hope we dump the cargo and clear the decks. And I hope we do everything possible. But ladies and gentlemen, hear me this morning. Above all else, we've got to abide in the ship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. You're not going to make it without the church. You're not going to make it without a shepherd. We need them in our lives. Let's worship the Lord and clap our hands to him. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.